Welcome to Oaken Bros. We have a very special guest. I am flabbergasted right now that we got this gentleman on our podcast. We are so thrilled. We met Chris um, on LinkedIn, yeah. oddly enough. We, we connected on there. He liked one of my posts, and then we just started messaging each other. Here's a formal introduction. This is Chris Weiss from Chauffeur Driven Sh- Magazine, the magazine in our, in our industry. Really happy to be here with you fellas. Thank you for being here. This is fantastic. We're thrilled to have you here. Exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, Chris is actually doing a, an article on us. How amazing we are. Just the, the, just the about best the company in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the article, the best company of the world. I'm trying to sell magazines. What, what can I say? It, it, exactly. The, now, um, we met Chris this morning at our office in Astoria yep. and we migrated over here to our office on Long Island and, uh, He's taking pictures, learning about BLS. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Chris is real. We've never done anything like this before. Like no one's ever come and. A powerhouse in our industry. Yeah. Has done an expose on BLS. We've always been a very private company. And uh, Chris is unveiling BLS. How did you start Chauffeur Driven? What, what, take us to the beginning. Take us to the very beginning. So before Chauffeur Driven, there was Limo Digest. And right. I started Limo Digest with a couple of friends of mine right. um, back in 1991. And initially... Was, I just want to preface, that was the year of my bar mitzvah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel old. And initially, we started Limo Digest because we wanted a way to market our parts and accessories that we were selling through MTG, which at the time was the parent company. And... Again, we were, you know, trying to market. We were advertising mm. in limousine and chauffeur at the time. Right. They were the only publication in the industry. Right. And we approached them and said, hey, we, we want to actually put a catalog in the magazine, not just our single page ad. What type of deal would you cut us to run a 10 page spread in there? And because they were the only publication in town, they weren't, you know, willing to be flexible with us and they weren't really willing to cut us a, a deal. And they said it would be, you know, roughly $20,000. And we said, $20,000? We could start a magazine for $20,000. Right. And that's how Limo Digest was birthed. And we, you know, fortunately had a lot of customers that we were selling retail parts to. We had a lot of customers that we were selling that were manufacturing limos and, and buses and all of the metal at the time. And they were looking for an alternative, a, a different type of voice. And we just got tremendous support right out of the gate. It was, it was great. That's so incredible. are you a writer? Do you write or are you just like the overall editor? So like, what is, so like, did you go to school you, for, yeah. yeah, like, were you a born writer? I'm a born artist. So okay. writing is, is one, is a skill that I have and I've always been into creative writing and, right. you know, whether, whether it was, um, poetry or science fiction I always enjoyed writing. It's it's in my my blood and in my family. My my brother uh, Neil is a was a journalism major. He was the first editor for Limo Digest back Great. in the day. Right. So the the you know the creativity was always in my DNA. Right. More more of a visual artist. More of um, you know someone who painted and who did etchings and drew a lot and really? photography and really yeah that's incredible. I was, I was an art major. That was my background. Where'd you go to college? Rutgers. 
Really? Jersey guy through and through, huh? Through and through. <laughs> Take the man out of Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been in, in that South Jersey area almost my entire life. I really? was born in Philly and moved to the Burbs as a young lad and have been there ever since. It's amazing. I love the area. Yeah. My ex-girlfriend isn't from that area, so I don't love it as much. <laughs> but it still is a lovely area. That's good. So, uh, so your, the name of your other company is now it's Premier? You see? Yeah, Premier Parts. Premier, Premier Auto Parts. Parts. Okay, and MTG is the parent company. No, MTG was the company that when, so when we were publishing Limo Digest, Limo Digest and, M, and MTG mm-hmm. were attached to the hip. When we left Limo Digest and started Chauffeur Driven, we also launched Premier Auto Products. So I Premier see. and Chauffeur Driven are more tied at the hip. I, what was it that attracted you to the ground transportation industry? Like what, yeah, why why didn't you start like, yeah, why why weren't you, were you drawing cartoons? Were you, you know, sketching like what, not many people say like, I want to be in the limo industry, right? It was was certainly um, just by chance, you know, like I said, uh, uh, so my two friends that, and one of my friends is my business partner today, Eric Alpert, um, they had started um, MTG and brought me on board initially to help draw all of the line art and all of the artwork for the original catalog that I was just referring to. Mm -hmm. And so I came in and was doing that part-time, you know, I had an art background and, you know, Eric said, Hey, let's get Chris to, you know, help us design this catalog. So I came in with the understanding of doing that. And while we were producing that is when we decided to start the magazine. And because I had, you know, experience working with people. I was an audio manager at a, an electronics store. Um, I had all of the art background. So I, I, I design was in my, mm-hmm. in my, my wheelhouse. Um, you know, I was able to write and able to edit mm-hmm. and, you know, so I just had the, the, uh, you know, the natural skill sets to, to get a magazine off the ground. You were in your element. I was, and it just happened to be the chauffeur transportation industry, the limo industry. When, my friend's father originally said, hey, I'm going to help you with some seed money to start a company. They looked at a couple of different companies and just happened to decide on limousine parts and accessories as the business that they were going to get into. Right. And then that just was a natural course when I got involved um, to just be part of that industry. But it was never an intention. I didn't know anything about the industry. You weren't going to all Rutgers. Self-taught. All self-taught. You were never going to Rutgers to so, major in tra- ground transportation. There is no major in that. You know. No, no. Um, you know, I, I probably would have been happy being an architect or something like that. Right. So sh- the chauffeur-driven show is coming up, and it 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 makes me nervous. Like we, when we will throw parties for clients or for, uh, you know, for our employees, and we'll do like kind of our own thing. And it's overwhelming to plan how on what goes into planning a convention, a, sh- a convention of that literally mag- of yeah. that magnitude, like how far right. in advance you have to book the space, you know, how, how are you finding your speakers? You know, like what, what is involved with creating a show? So space is usually booked multiple years in advance. Um, and the show is really an, an annual cycle. So if we were to finish, you know, let's say the show in Boston, mm-hmm we're immediately starting to plot out what we're doing for the following show. Really? And we're juggling now with also having the Vegas show and our executive retreat in the mix. You know, we're just, it's, it's, um, 24, seven, 365. 
to plan the, to get those things ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, the cycle is even longer than a year at times because you're, you know, trying to, um, you know, secure the properties and, you know, um, right. negotiate the contracts right. and, and, you know, make it, um, you know, a win-win for, you know, not only for, you know, the industry, because you're negotiating hotel rooms, you're negotiating the food and beverage, and you're trying to keep everyone's pocketbook in mind while you're still, you know, trying to negotiate with these casinos that, right. um, you know, want to make money. So why, do you why, have like a show, do you have a show director? I do. So right. Jess Pavlo is our show director. She's yeah. awesome. And a really cool story about Jess is that I hired her initially as a part-time temporary telemarketer who during, you know, a few months of the year would come in and, you know, try to sell people tickets to the show, you know, sell right. passes to the show. And she did so well and, um, you know, just was a natural at it. We asked her to be in our circulation department and she did so well with that that she just climbed the ladder and now she is the director of events for our show. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. You, your family is um, entrepreneurial, right? Like yes. you, what is, you have a brother, Neil. Mm -hmm. what, what's the story with your family? Like yeah. no one's a teacher, right? Um, maybe somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere so down Neil, the line. Neil's wife is a teacher. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. talking specifically bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, no, no, no teachers, but just a, a lot of entrepreneurial spirit. My father owned his own business. Um, what did he do? He manufactured maternity wear. Oh, really? And, he, right. and so he had five kids. Um, he was his best customer. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> five kids under one roof. Yeah. He actually had two from a previous marriage. So seven total. Oh my so God. So I'm, I'm one of seven. I have two under my roof and I, I, you know, I can't wait for them to go to sleep at night. My Michael's famous line is I wanted three until I had two. Yeah. It's the, we wanted seven. three kids, my wife and I, and then we had the second one. We're like, we're done. That's it. You know, no more. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle. <laughs> <laughs> mercy, mercy. Yeah. So, you know, entrepreneurial spirits in, in the family. My, right. I have two younger brothers that own a cell phone accessories business. Right. My older brother, Neil, that you're referring to, uh, owns Black Car News. It's great. And uh, my sister's married to an entrepreneur. So it's the entire clan. What about your kids? Do you want your kids involved in the business? Yeah, I would love that. I, yeah. I would love that. I hope. So are I, you pushing them towards that or are you giving them options? Um, certainly giving them options, not pushing them towards it, but guiding them. And hopefully he uh, is enticed by, you know, the, the excitement of the industry and what it is that, that I do in, in terms of planning events. And right. um, so I'm, I'm really hopeful that, that one of my three kids comes on board and, and is part of the business. So you, th you see this last night. Clearly, like, you know, let's not um, kid ourselves print is dead, right? Like print is done. I'm, I'm not or in the dying, dying, you know? right? I have a, my, my in-laws, um, are on a printing press and, uh, they, er, I see them every Sunday and every Sunday for the last 20 years has been, it's a dying business. It's a dying business. Is, is print dying? Are you moving towards more a online presence? How's that working? Yeah. Um, so print is healthy in certain areas like where so in b2b publications okay. hobbyists and enthusiasm okay. publications like if you're into skiing or golf um unique niches right it's hard to get that information all in one place on the internet mm -hmm. and so there are some you know specific areas where print is still alive and thriving 
Interesting. I mean, we're, we're publishing on average of 120 pages a month with the publication. So, really? you know, we're, we're still, we're still in a good place and we still feel like print is very viable, but it does have a shelf life and maybe mm -hmm. five years down the road, we'll be looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. um, we've been, I mean, our print product is identical to our digital product. So we've had a digital product for a decade now mm -hmm. and we've just been putting a lot more energy into, um, into our social media, into our newsletter, our digital newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, really trying to just create different ways to, um, present con uh, content to people. Do you have every single operator on planet earth, like signed up for this newsletter? Are you getting to that? Like, is, is yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to say that we have everyone, but I feel like we have the vast majority. Right. I mean, we're extremely thorough with our, you know, circulation efforts because that's our bread and butter. Right. And so we're, you know, constantly, um, maintaining the list. We have full-time circulation people. Mm -hmm. We're constantly trying to find new blood. We're constantly cleaning the list and scrubbing the list. We're audited. So we have to maintain a quality list or, um, you know, or, or we can't have the, the postal privileges that we have when we mail out the magazine. Oh, I didn't know. That. I had no idea. So who are you audited by? Uh, the United States postal service. No kidding. So they, they audit all publications, any publication, um, well, they, they don't audit every publication. So there's different ways that you can be audited. That's, that's one method. And not every publication goes through the energy and effort of being audited. Mm -hmm. We do it because we want to make sure that, you know, one, that our list is as clean as possible and that there is, you know, no doubt in the fact that, that, um, you know, who we're going out to and the quality your, of the list. Your subscriber base. Yeah. You're, is, you're very transparent. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to get back to online. Um, what is your online strategy? Like, where do you see, where do you see yourself in a year, two, three? Because obviously we have an online strategy where we just, you know, we're trying to push out at least eight to 20 pieces of content per day. That's, that's our strategy. Where, where are you, where are you looking? Cause like your con that, that's your business is mm -hmm. content. So what, what's your strategy? You know, I, I would say it's be between the combination of our own, digital products, um, you know, increasing the uh, frequency that we'll be sending that type of stuff out. Right. As well as just putting a lot more focused time and energy into primarily um, Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, we do some with LinkedIn. We're, we're, we're not as, uh, as polished as you on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, we, we have a really strong presence, um, you know, in terms of the number of connections and we just, you know, haven't had the same engagement on LinkedIn as we have on the other social media channels. See, it's the complete opposite for me. Like when, we're, when I'm posting on Instagram, I think it's mainly because I, I started really late on Instagram and Facebook. And I think I hit LinkedIn just at the right time. But, you know, we're super B2B and I, you're, you're B2B also. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not B2C. So like LinkedIn is made for B2B and like every single limo operator that I know is on LinkedIn. So I would imagine there a lot of people are living on there. It's true. And, and that's, I was an early adopter to LinkedIn. And this is a year old. Yeah. So it's something that I've been doing. I've been active on LinkedIn in terms of building, you know, my connections and my contacts for a decade. And, you know, so 
we utilize that in, in, in just circles back to the circulation and making sure that we're going out to everyone. Right. Um, we use LinkedIn as a way to find new operators, especially around the world that would be more difficult and challenging for us to find in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've had a lot of success through LinkedIn. I, I, I believe I have 5,500, upwards of 5,500 connections, and the right. vast majority are people within the chauffeur transportation industry. That's pretty much all of them. Yeah. So it, it's, <laughs> and so we use, you know, we use that as a way to build our database and to, right. um, you know, so we might not dispense as much content on LinkedIn, but those same people are then, um, you know, hopefully receiving the magazine, hopefully reading our newsletter, following right. us on the other social media channels. Right. Um, I need to take more lessons from you on LinkedIn, I think. I, I want to just, I want to ask a question uh, internally in the magazine. Um, I, I was the editor of my uh, school newspaper, SCW Post. So if this BLS thing and podcast thing doesn't work out, I'm coming to work with you. Right on. Okay. I'm a writer. Yeah. Too. I have some, you've got skills. I got, yeah. I have a few books out to say the least by Monsterland, everybody. Um, what was I going to say? The, uh, how do you like your articles? Uh, uh, like is, is this month like spark plug month? You know, like how are you determining, uh, it, you know, yeah, like this month is bus month. This month is tire month. Like how, how are you determining your articles? Do you give assignments out? Do you let people freelance? Do you let them go and bring you back uh, content? How does that work with, with, with that? Because I was given free range when I worked at my college newspaper, you know, and I was writing, you know, movie reviews and music reviews uh, for the entertainment side. But like, how do you disseminate uh, who gets to write what article? Well, sometimes we have issues that are themed mm -hmm. and it could be, you know, the bus and motor coach issue or the insurance issue or the affiliate issue. Mm -hmm. Not every issue is, is themed like that. Mm -hmm. And I've got three full-time editors, all with um, a great deal of experience in the industry. And, you know, we have our editorial meetings and we have an editorial advisory board and a lot of, you know, industry friends that will, you know, share with us the, the type of content that they want to read about and, they, and the type of information that they need to, to be more successful. Right. And because we've been doing it for as long as we've been doing it, we've got a good feel for what it is that's going to help people to run a more efficient, more profitable business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just have our meetings and, you know, it, it usually it's topics and then we decide who is going to, you know, handle that particular topic, whether it's going to be Susan, Rob or Madeline, mm -hmm. or sometimes we use freelancers. We have a few writers that know the industry that we work with, mm -hmm. you know, for overflow. Um, and then we have contributors within the industry that, you know, also, have their finger on the pulse of the space. And so whether it's the focus is on, you know, marketing and sales or whether the focus is on HR, you know, we've got a column called HR coach. It's right. very specifically just about that topic. It's great. And it, and what, what I really like about it is, you know, as, as a business owner, a small business owner, that's not running the same type of business that you guys run. The information is still applicable, hundred yeah. percent. So when I read it, I say, yeah. "Oh man, this is I, I got to pass this around to my you know to the rest of my team because this is a great piece." Right. Well, you know, we've learned things from chauffeur driven. Like when yep. the article comes out, or I get that email saying it's live. You know, I'm clicking on that right on my phone, and I'm I'm reading the entire magazine, or I'm skimming it, and then I'll save things for later. But you know, we've learned things for the labor codes, and we're like, oh that's really happening. It's a great you know? education piece. Yeah. You, you, know? you really are doing the industry a wonderful thing by, by educating us. I, yeah. I and it, and it doesn't, 
you know, fall on deaf ears. I remind my team often that they are in a position to make an impact on people's lives and to put bread yeah. on the table for people. And if they, you know, if, if an article that they're writing gives advice that could help someone run a more efficient or a more profitable business, then they're actually making a difference in, in people's lives. It's, it's working. Whatever you're doing, it's working. It's been very helpful. We're to extremely our passionate about, about yeah. this. I've been doing this since uh, I was in my early 20s. And right. I hate to admit it, but I just recently turned 50. And so this has been my... Congratulations. Thank you. I, I swear, I thought I, on my life, I thought you were my age. I thought you were maybe 41, 42 years old. So whatever you're drinking, keep Thank drinking you, Mom. it. Yeah, <laughs> keep drinking it. Um, what, what's a day like for you? What time do you get up? Do you work out? What's for breakfast? Give us a day in the life of Chris Weiss. I normally get up around six thirty-seven. It just depends on, uh, whether school is happening or not. Sure. And, you know, I took, typically am in the office by eight thirty or nine. Where's your office? Um, I'm, I live in Mount Laurel and mm -hmm. my office is in Marlton, which is only five miles away. Oh, that's nice. not so bad. it's super convenient. Right. Um, and everybody, like everybody goes to the office every day? For the most part, we, we have, uh, you know, a few remote employees, but um, the majority of the team just works, works out of our office. And, you know, for it, it, the synergies of putting together a publication and planning events, um, it helps to have people together most of the time. 100%, yeah. Do you have, is, is that your only office? In, uh... So that's our office for Chauffeur Driven. Uh -huh. our, our sister company, Premier Auto Products, that office is in Elkhart, Indiana, which is really where all of the buses, vans, sure. RVs, all, all of that's manufactured. So it just makes sense to be where all of that's being gotcha. made. So you're in the office by about 839. Mm -hmm. How does your day, are you email guy? Are you, you sit on the phone all day? Like how did, how does your day go? Yeah, it's a combination. It is. Yeah. Right. I mean, you just, you can't get away from the emails. Right. It's, right. it's remarkable that, um, how you could be in quicksand because of email. So you have 100%. to, you know, you have to, you know, do you have, a, um, do you have an executive assistant that handles your stuff? I don't really Let me tell you something. It's a game changer. It really is. It's it's an absolute game changer because yeah. it allows you to focus on the money maker. It allows you to focus on what you're good at. It allows you to travel more when you have someone helping you. Right. You know, like it's time consuming to make an airline reservation. It's time consuming to do those things. So if you hire somebody that that's there to help you or just in general, like an office assistant, that's like what we were, we were talking mm -hmm. before. That's something that we recently done. Huge game changer for the staff. Yeah, you guys have opened my eyes on a few things. Thank you. In including uh, veg can... fruit and vegetables. Oh, man. <laughs> Turn this into a health podcast. <laughs> That's uh, another podcast for another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so I have thought about that and it's, you're, 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 I'm not going to say you're probably right. You're right. Right. And right. I, it's just one of those things that um, I would love to have. It's assistant. all about boosting your productivity mm -hmm. so, you, so you, can, you can make more. So we're big believers in the law of attraction. Like yes. we, we talk about it all the time. We believe thoughts create things. We believe whatever you put out there in the universe is what you're going to get back. We believe in game planning. We believe in vision boards on yesterday's po or today's podcast, which is whatever. It's confusing. <laughs> but the podcast that we recorded on Monday, um, you know, we were talking about vision boards. Do you practice law of attraction type? Do you, um, do you write down your goals? Do you, you know, do you, you know, do you, do you, do you like prioritize what you want to do this year? 
Like, do you have, do you have a five-year game plan? Do you, do you know where chauffeur, where you want chauffeur driven and your other companies to be one year, two years, three years, four years? I wouldn't say five years down the road, but certainly two, three years down the road is, is, you know, what we're always looking at because we're planning these events that far in advance. So we have to be, you know, thinking about what the future is going to hold because, you know, when you're on the hook for a big contract three years down the road, you need to be sure that, you know, there's going to be, you know, bodies in the seats. Right. Right. And so, yeah, we, we do plot out, you know, that far in advance. It's hard to, this is such a, an ever evolving um, space that we're in, in planning events and publishing. It's hard to go five years. I, I, I don't think I've ever gone that far out in my planning in, in the 30 years I've been doing this. Really? Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a question. Go for it. If you don't mind. Yeah. Let's talk about the elephant in the industry. Uber Lyft. Um, how have you navigated that? As a writer, you don't want to be biased. You don't want to be, you know, uh, oh, this is the greatest thing ever or this is the worst thing ever. How has Uber and Lyft affected you guys? I mean, they've affected everyone on planet Earth in, some, in one way or another. How did it affect chauffeur-driven or you even? Yeah, what was your strategy with Uber and Lyft? And you could badmouth them to hell and, you know, like go for the If you hate them just as much <laughs> as we do, please, you could bash them. If they're clients of yours, love no, them. I mean, they're not clients. Um, <laughs> I do use Uber sometimes because it's, right. it's super convenient it's a, and it's a taxi replacement. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes the, it, you know, to drink and drive is not a great decision. So it's the only way at times. Mm-hmm. And you're and connected it, to every ground travel service practically on planet earth, but you, you know, <laughs> but sometimes, but sometimes it's just not possible on an instantaneous, right. um, you know, need to, in the middle of, you know, right. the suburbs to, you know, to get I car service. So call Alan. Alan is under car for you. I love Alan at Park Avenue. Big, Big shout, shout out, out to Uncle Alan. Yes. Uncle Alan and, and his kids. Great people. Yep. All around. The can dubs. Yep. Um, and so people. I use the can dubs a lot, but there are times when I, I do need to Uber. And so I do use it. But, um, you know, I've always thought that it made no sense why the playing field wasn't level for them and why they could come into the marketplace and not have the same regulations, the same insurance and be held to the same standards that everyone else is held to, that part of it never made sense. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it still doesn't. You know, the, the level of the playing field is kind of balancing out a little bit, yes. you know, with things like what's happening at LAX. Um, the insurance, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem for yeah, everyone. We never had insurance problems before Uber. So it's, it's because unfortunately we're being grouped t- together with them. And it's just more and more expensive, more and more hard to navigate, you know, auto liability insurance. But, you know, like it's, it's, con- they, they group us in when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Right, we're separate. We're separate. Right. I, you know, I wouldn't say that it had a huge negative impact on chauffeur driven and the, the events that we do. It was a little blip. There was, there was a while, um, not too long after Uber made it to the marketplace that people, you know, just didn't know how to react to it. Right. And, you know, didn't, you know, the evolution into larger metal and the evolution into, um, you know, dealing with meetings and events and, and groups mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it was still in its infancy. And so, you know, once that, once it got to the point where people realized that there was a, you know, a severe race to the bottom on pricing with, Uber and Lyft and, and that business model, it was either you evolve or 
you know, eventually you're going to go down. Do, do you feel that Uber and Lyft are the talking movie pictures and our industry is the silent picture? The way that the, the, the silent pictures were so big back in the 10s and the 20s, 1910s and 20s, and I'm only saying this because I watched Chaplin the other day. Yeah, I watched that, the, I watched that a few yeah, weeks ago. It's, yeah, it's perfection. Robert Downey Jr. was unbelievable. But the talking picture killed careers. And like, who watches silent movies that I, nobody, everybody wants to watch a talking picture because that was the evolution of it. Is Uber the talking picture in our industry? As an insider, are, are we the silent, you know, are we the silent, um, um, pic, silent film? I don't know about that, but I would say if people are going to continue to compete on what they compete on, which is a rock bottom price, mm -hmm. then, then yeah, it, it, it may be that way. But I, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like people have evolved over the last few years right. and have, you know, gotten out of that race and aren't, you know, aren't getting caught up in racing to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't, uh, in it's our slippery, industry, it's a slippery slope. In our industry, you can't really compete with Uber. You know, in Las Vegas, particularly, um, it's 11 bucks, right? To go, or uh, no, it was $9 to go from a, a hotel to a hotel. The cabs are charging 11, so they undercut the cabs, which I don't understand how the local government out there allowed them to do that. And then a limousine is 50 bucks. So we're not, there's no race to the bottom for us. Maybe, you know, us versus another competitor. We'll drop the rate $5 and they'll drop it another $5 to try and get that account. Um, I find people doing that less and less, by the way. Yep. I find that in a lot of RFPs, which I oversee with my team. No, no, I agree. I, the I people agree. are people saying these are my rates and that's mm -hmm. it. And and we've been doing that too, where, you know, you yeah, there a certain was an amount to survive to put the key in the car. Right. At, at, yes. And maybe it hit rock bottom and now people are real. hundred percent, hundred percent. And then you can, you can go for rock bottom for a little bit and then you have to go back to the client saying that eh, we can't do this anymore. You know, like you we, know. we, Chris and I were talking about this earlier and I believe Uber Lyft has defined our industry. I think it was very, so? it was very murky for a little while where right. people didn't understand the difference between us and Uber. And I think this year, I think one, around the time that we, they went public to a little time before that it, we got defined because the, the holes in, in their business model started to become very apparent and corporations, high net worth individuals, their travel is precise and it can't necessarily be done by pressing a button and there's chemistry with the, with the people that we're driving because they're, they're producing, they're not, they're not necessarily going on vacation when, when, when companies like ours are driving them and you can't press a button and get their travel done. There's a reason why travel agencies exist. And if there's a reason why those people exist, there's a reason why companies like us exist. Uh, so I'll answer my own question. The idea that, that Uber is the talking picture. I think the cabs were the silent picture for sure. Yeah. It, you know, I think in 10, 15 years from now, there's not yeah. going to be, it's going to be like a, a rotary dial phone. Like what's a, you know, what's a taxi yeah. cab? Yeah. Our grandkids won't know what cabs are. Correct. Correct. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. They're going to yeah. be like, there were these yellow things going around all in the city. It's going to be a relic of times past. Right. Right. And another thing that we were talking about was that Uber created a culture of people who were happy to not drive and to be driven around. Right. So I can't figure that out for the life of me. I, I really can't. It's the reality though. How do you not like to drive? I mean, I'll refer real, real quick. My uh, entertainment attorney who oversees my book, uh, book career, um, her granddaughter, I won't name names. Um, 
hasn't got, her grandkids aren't getting their driver's license. This, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, respectively. And she's like, yeah, they're not getting their license. They're just being, they're pressing a button and being driven everywhere. I'm like, how do you not want to drive? How do you not ha- want to have your license? She says, they don't, nobody wants it anymore. This, this generation that I, I can't figure it out. It's true. And then you figure a certain percentage of those people are going to be discerning like Eric was talking about and they're going to need chauffeured service. They're not, they're not going to be satisfied. We're going to take, we're going to take the runoff, you know, of, of the night, the, the point zero 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 one percent of those people that need that type of transportation makes up our industry. Right. Do you let your kids use Uber? My 17 year old has used it a few times. I wouldn't let my younger kids use it. Really? Yeah. And you you feel like it's safe. You're 17 year old. You're like, yeah, go for it. No problem. No, um, I wouldn't say that extreme. He's done it with friends. Right. So I, I, I wouldn't allow him to do it by himself right. at this point. Um, what do you feel is dangerous about it? I mean, there's been just so many instances yeah. of assault and not, not, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about him being raped per se, but right. assaulted or, um, how you know, long has that driver been on the road for? What if he was came from his house and he was just drinking with his friends and he just picked up, you know, it's just, I can't, I can't figure the <laughs> logic of this out. We had a, a, we had uh, condos in Vegas and we used to, we would live there. We'd live there from November to March before my, my son started kindergarten. This is years ago. And one of our neighbors was an Uber driver, right? When it was just starting to, to get really big. And in LA. He was an Uber driver. No, in, in Vegas. Oh, he was? In, in Vegas. One oh, okay. of the, na- the guy lived across from me. And, you know, I would say, so how does it work? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're just sitting on your couch watching TV and you get a ping and you go and get in your car and go pick him up. I'm like, what did you tell you? He's like, oh, yeah, I was, uh, I was having some cocktails with friends. He's like, well, but it should be fine. I, and I still, to this day, it's 2020, I don't have the Uber app. I, I will find a way to get to where I have to go. If I'm out or something, yes, it, yes, okay, I'll be that guy that my family owns a ground travel service, right? We own a limousine service. We will always have a car somewhere. But like, I wouldn't put my kids in an Uber if they were stranded. I would go and find a way to get them. I respect I, that. I, I, yeah, you've, so, you've, you've, you have enough reason to, to feel that way. It's scary. It is so scary to have your neighbor being a chauffeur dr- driver. I can't figure out who, who allowed this, you know? How did they not stop it? That, that's what circles back to, you know, that, that the fact that there's just not that level playing field. It, it's, yep. it's actually mind boggling and taking myself out of what I do for a living. Right. Just as a consumer, it's mind boggling that that can exist and no one has stepped in to do anything about it. We were a product of the 80s and 90s. The, the, the mantra was, you know, you don't ride with strangers. You know, I have two rules in my house with my kids. No one's allowed to drive you except family. And uh, you can't do drugs and drink. That's it. Those are my two two rules in the house. Otherwise, they could do whatever they want, right? I can't th- having a stranger drive my kid from a bar or to a bar. I have a daughter. I have a seven year old girl. Uh, never gonna happen. Yeah, it's just never going to happen. She's never gonna have Uber on her phone. It just it's. I guess because we're 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 insiders. It's funny. I, I um, posted. I, I found this on Instagram. And I posted it on, on my social media. Right. And it said, you know, in the 70s, our, our parents told us not to hitchhike or get in the car with strangers. And now it's commonplace. You know, now it's you're paying to get in the car with strangers. Can't figure it out. Yeah. What, what do you think the future of uh, ride sharing is going to be? Do you think it's here to stay? Do you think yeah. it's going to be a bubble? Oh, you think it's here to stay? Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. God damn it. And, but, I, but I think <laughs> I just I, I think that there's going to be 
no choice but for the playing field to get more level and you know just like what you're seeing out at LAX you're going to start seeing this at other airports because all of the airport regulators they all talk they go to conventions together they they decide on what they're going to do based on what the other airports are already doing and so I think that you're going to continue to see that and I think that the you know because they're public they just can't continue to hemorrhage money every single year well that's my so they're going to be forced to raise their rates right and yeah it will then open up some opportunities so if you're if you have to pay sixty dollars to go somewhere versus eleven dollars that's a big delta and you know for some people that is the decision right but if but if it's forty dollars versus fifty or sixty bucks and it's a risky forty versus a you know unrisky fifty or sixty you're going to go with the the unrisky move mm-hmm. um, when it's not that big of a difference, and they're going to be forced to charge a you know a, a normal rate. I mean, the rates that they charge are well, you know what it is, Chris. It's like there's a reason why Uber didn't exist before Uber because you can't make money because you can't make money going cheap for transportation. One to one services are expensive. Go get a massage; it's expensive. Go do any else. Go get a tutor to teach you LSATs. It's $200, $300. For, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's one-to-one person. When you when you have one person driving one person, if you want cheap transportation, go on the bus or the go, go on the subway or go on the railroad. There's a reason why that exists. And that's even subsidized by governments the majority of the time because they don't make money either. So there's a reason why Uber didn't exist because you can't it's it costs more than five dollars to go somewhere it costs more than ten dollars eleven dollars twenty forty fifty sixty you don't realize the cost involved with doing a simple 20 mile transfer and that's coming out of the wash now it is have you ever been like approached by uber to advertise or um, articles on them um never to advertise but i would say maybe six or seven years ago Mm -hmm. when they were somewhat new to the market not brand new but somewhat new to the market Mm -hmm. We were holding a show, I believe, in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and they the the New York office approached me, and um, they said, "Hey, we want a platform at the show to talk about Uber." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I'll give you a platform, but I'm not going to protect you. And so, Good. whatever's going to happen is going to happen." And he mysteriously decided that. He didn't want to be part of it. I got a voicemail when they first opened up in New York from Ryan Graves. Did you really? Yeah, I got a voicemail from Ryan Graves, who was one of the founders of Uber, saying that, you know, that we just opened up here. We're looking to partner with local limousine services. I call him back. He never called me back. But that, I just, I got the same message from him. And then I called him and we weren't ever going to do anything with him. You know, it was, it was. I was surprised early on that, that operators were, I was calling it feeding the beast. Mm-hmm. And they were helping to build this infrastructure 100%. and giving them the inventory. I know who you're so talking about. There was too. quite a few. Oh yeah. Oh yes. It was, it's another head scratcher at the time. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I think, it, I think if you, you know, you have to, you can't go into business with fear and, and you have to be confident in your product and what you offer. And above all else, especially when you're servicing corporations, service trumps all. I want to mention, I want to mention Lyft approached us a few months ago and they said, we're not allowed to pick up at LAX anymore. Would you help us with uh, the pickups at LAX? And I mean, we, we were just laughing 
we were just, we were like, this is great. This is the, the state that created them. I, I look at Uber as like Frankenstein's monster, like this big lumbering thing that's just so misunderstood and, and, and it will kill you, right? It will, it will kill you because it's, very, it's a very dangerous monster. And, and the state of California is Dr. Frankenstein. And Dr. Frankenstein created it. And I believe, I believe that they're going to destroy it. Um, what they the did. A, the AB5 bill now with, you know, yep. there's no more independent operators. Right. Mm -hmm. This doc, this California is going to kill its creation. And what they did at LAX, take note SFO, take note JFK, take note McCarran. They are. Take, they, they must. They have to take note and get these, get these, I call them gypsies. That was our term for the, for these like, you know, black guys sure. that own their own Hyundai Sonatas. Mm -hmm. You don't drive a Hyundai Sonata, right? No. Okay, good. Right. A, I, I don't want to bash anyone driving a Hyundai Sonata, except the Uber drivers. Um, but take note, get them off the airport, get them off hotel doors. Driving from uh, here to New York City takes about two and a half, two, two hours now. We're 28 uh, miles away. We're 28 miles away. I, I left a meeting with my mom. I know I spent this on an on a old podcast. I left the, a meeting with my mom at two o'clock from the city downtown. I didn't pull into my house. I live on the North Shore of Long Island, 28 miles away. It took me three and a half hours. I pulled into my house at 5.30. There's too many cars on the road. Same thing in LA. Every other car is a Tesla or an Uber. And it's, it's dangerous. It, it, they clogged up the roadways and now there's no regulation on them. California's gonna take care of business. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're 100% right. It's, I was actually listening to a radio um, broadcast on the way up here driving today. And that, and Alec Baldwin was, was being interviewed and he said the same thing about the congestion. Really? He, he you know, not an industry guy. He, just, oh, he was uh, on Howard Stern, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I missed it. Yeah. yeah. And it. so it was, um, what did he say? He, he just said the exact same thing that it, that it, you know, to go two miles yeah, was like an hour yep. and it just has been a game changer. And, you know, to the point of where, you know, the suburbs are seemingly a lot more attractive now. hundred percent. Even now. I mean, there's Ubers in Woodbury where, you know, in the area that we are in Jericho and you see these Uber cars and they don't know how to drive, you know, and uh, I, I think they're very dangerous. Something is going to happen. You can't just lose billions. I'm, I'm hopeful that because I, I, I really believe in the need for something like that if it's done the right way. Sure. So if the insurance right. is in line, sure. if they're charging the right amount. If, they're, if, the, drivers, if the drivers I'm, are tested, I'm, 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 then I'm, I'm good with it. 100%. I think that's too optimistic. I think it's impossible to charge the correct amount because people will not use it. People aren't going. People will go home from the bar for eleven dollars, but they're not going to go home from the bar for for, for fifty dollars. I was going to say hundred and twenty for a hundred and twenty. Like so, so you know, Uber's still not going to make money at forty bucks going home. I, I personally think that's, that's too optimistic. I don't think it's possible to charge the correct rates. Okay. So then why aren't we the size of Uber? Because we charge the correct rates because, you know, so we do background checks on all of our drivers, you know, our, our they're, cars, they're employees. So, the so, so we are doing it the right way and right. you can get to a certain size. You can build a beautiful business. You can have, you can live a great life. But to make billions in ground transportation, you lose billions. That's all. That's all that. That's all the money is ever going to do. Hundred percent. So I, I personally, I question how is it fixable, because they took bus people, they took people who are going on mass transit to use them. So what happens when they jack up the rate? Those people can't necessarily afford 
charging the right rates. They yeah. can't paying, you mean? Yeah, they yeah. can't. They can't. Yeah. Affo- they can't afford. Right. Someone riding a bus for five bucks across town, you know, can can now pay nine dollars for an Uber. Sure, no problem. They're not going to pay a hundred. If they were going to pay a hundred, they'd be riding with us. They'll they'll probably in, in in some cases will go back to whatever method of transportation that they were using. But you know, at, at some point, they're going to have to raise their rates. Hundred percent. Because yeah. the, because it's. You know, it's a public company now, and and, right. and the shareholders are just not going to stand for it forever. And it's also a toxic place. I mean, you you, you see the um, the articles of uh, what was it? Two thousand people have been ra- three thousand people a year have been assaulted. Assaulted, right? I, and I, we made a joke. Sexual, I, I think it was sexual assaults. And think about how bad it is that they had to be the ones to announce it because they wanted to get ahead of it. 100%. So if if they if, if you know if, if they um, can you imagine, think about this for a second. We, I do RFPs with my team. Can you imagine filling out an RFP for an airline? And let's say for argument's sake, JetBlue, we're big JetBlue people. We love Mint you know, on JetBlue and even going down to Florida, we love it. Um, can you imagine JetBlue saying one out of every 10 planes will crash? But do you, that, could you imagine if American Airlines says, we want to get ahead of this, guys, this isn't good. Uh, on every single flight, at least one person is sexually assaulted. What? what how is this? tolerated right this is complete nonsense i couldn't the, the, agree the, the pilot goes to the uh most good looking uh person on the airplane and uh right you know. yeah the pilot's calling uh seat 3b up to the cockpit you know like really? give me a fucking break and 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 they and they have three thousand a year i think part of the part of the problem is that a lot of this was buried for a while, even though we were reporting on it in the, you know, the industry was reporting sure. on it, right. whether it was the NLA or TLPA and Sherpa right. Driven, but the masses weren't in tune to all of this and they're right. only getting spoon fed little bits and pieces until recently. Right. And now I hope people wake up. Yeah. I pe- really do. Pe- people are going to wake up. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I, 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 we don't have a crystal ball, but we'll, we'll see. I'm expecting a lot of people to watch this podcast. This was great, by the way. Um, and I'm hoping people will wake, will understand that Uber is, is nothing but dangerous. Yep. You know, if you want to be driven by someone, call a local car service, call a taxi. The taxis drivers are, are way more regulated. The drivers are vetted. The only, the only thing I can def- say about sometimes with taxis is you can't get a taxi always. That is I, very I true. wish it was the case because so I would never use Uber. I only use them on the random occasions when you just really have almost no choice. When right. you look up, when you look up the amount of times you use Uber in a year to the amount of times that you actually need it, you know, it's worth paying more for safety, for convenience by using a local car service. I'm not promoting us, right? Like right. I'm not saying, oh, use BLS. I'm saying if you live in a place, a suburb or something, give the business to a local I agree. Uh, company there. I agree. Don't, I, I don't would say the, probably yes. 24 out of 25 mm-hmm. of my trips are right. specifically with <clears throat> chauffeur transportation right. operators. And, and, and people people have to get away from that mentality that 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 uh, I call it the Hyundai Sonata mentality. This 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 guy driving a car from his house. When was the last time the brakes were checked on the car? When was the last time the oil was checked? Is it, was this car used for a drug run Listen, right before you? I think we're preaching to the choir. It's here. all risky. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, but especially like, you're, like, actually, you're actually making me rethink my position of once in a while using them for goodness sakes. If you need a car, you call us. 
It's as simple as that. Or call any one of your buddies. Call, I mean, you exactly. Know, we, 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 use Alan. I would use Alan if I lived in Philly every day. I, I always do. <laughs> I, I always love do. that man. Every once in a while, though, it's hard to to get something quickly, and and so we get it. There is a need for it. I just I'm, you know, call me optimistic, but I am hopeful that that okay. Um, We'll that they'll be held in the court of public opinion to the point of sure. where they're, you know, going to have their feet held to the fire. Sure. So I have I'm holding one, out hope. I have one more question. Sure. CD chauffeur driven. Are you ever going to have an international show outside of the States? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> I, I would really like to see something like that happen for sure. It's, right. it's been on my wish list for well over a decade now. And I think there is possibility. Where would you want to do it? What would like, London or yeah. like Canada. Or um, so we've we've done an event in Toronto. So okay. we have done one international event. Sure. And we got almost 200 people. There was like 170 people. So cool. it, was, it was a decent showing. Mm -hmm. um, London is, is would be, you know, somewhere to consider. Um, it's just a very robust market. Uh, they speak the language. Sure. Um, you know, Paris is Get another city that is just an extremely robust market. Right. And it's very centralized. Um, London would probably be the first place to sniff. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. We appreciate you coming on. Um, any, b before you go, I, I love hearing about the journey. Were there any books or movies or anything that influenced you? Like that influence, like, is there any books that like make you like get up in the morning and go, I'm, I'm taking, I'm seizing or, the day. You know, movies, you know, anything, you know, like Tommy boy <laughs> influenced us greatly. When as as adults watching Tommy Boy when you're a kid and then watching when you're an adult about getting confidence and selling and stuff like that like that that has influenced us greatly like what what any books like you know Stephen Covey books or Michael Samuels like me well, we're talking I'm, about I'm Michael the, Samuels by the way so. we were talking about the the seven seven know, habits, habits of highly successful yeah people I mean that that's you know that that's a great book and I've read that a couple of times right um, there's another one don't sweat the small things that yeah, every, yeah. every once in a while I just flip back just to you know kind of keep my my balance right um, any like a uh, writer like author specifically like you know Tony Robbins Gary Vaynerchuk any of those guys well, I like Gary V and yeah. I like Grant Cardone Grant Cardone um, love man. Grant Cardone yeah, if you awesome. want to make that announcement now please that's public, right? Yeah. It's yeah, public. yeah, yeah. No, so, no, tell it because I'd well, like, love to link to fucking Grant Cardone on my podcast. So yeah, yeah no, the Grant it. Cardone is the, is our keynote in Las Vegas oh at the show. God. Remember, he wrote. He, show? He, I sent Michael a video on eating <sighs> shit. Eating shit. That was amazing. On YouTube, he had this thing. He's like, "How much shit are you eating?" And he's like, "He's like, I just flew to a meeting. This guy stood me up. He's like, I still eat shit. He's like, no one's immune to eating shit." Yep. And it was just so resonating because something just happened. Something where, happened to, to us where we, a client is making us eat shit and it's, it's, it's bothering us, you know, it's really, and it, that, that video just came at the correct time. And that Grant Cardone is literally speaking at chauffeur driven. No That's kidding. amazing. Yeah. It's exciting. If, if you could introduce Eric and I, I'd love to shake that man's hand. He's been a huge I, I influence. Make that happen. Huge influence. So that'd be yeah. amazing. No, I watch all of his videos and I just love his power. Yeah. Just, just the way he fucking sits. He's and, a boss. Yeah, he, he's just such a boss and he's got so much energy. And I can't believe that he recognizes our industry. How did you get like that? Was was that your idea to get him? No, it was actually my business partner, Eric. His son was originally the big Grant fan. Wow. And then he turned his father on to Grant and right. they went to a couple of his 10x conferences Eric's son became friendly with one of Grant's assistants. Right. And they exchanged numbers and emails and were, you know, kept a relationship. And then we were talking about, 
you know, who would be an incredible keynote for the show. Grant Cardone. And of course, Grant's name was at the top of the list, but we weren't so sure that it was, a, you know, the guy's got endless amounts of money. So sure. us stroking him a check wasn't, wasn't necessarily going to do the trick. Right. So we, Eric got creative and through his son's connection, we reached out and said, hey, we want to build Grant a tricked out mobile office on wheels sprinter as, as a payment instead of, you know, paying him the normal cash that someone might sure. pay him to speak at a show. And that got his attention. Thank goodness. Thank and, goodness. And we put it together and we are in the process right now of building him his sprinter. And next week we're going out to do a, a cover shoot for the magazine with Grant. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's real exciting. Big shout out to Grant Cardone for doing this. This yeah, is now It's huge for our industry. And you know, like we believe in what he says 100 percent, and like that's we're that's, disciples. that's how we that's we're how we practice our lives like we we believe in motivation and we believe in game planning and we believe in thinking ridiculously amazing thoughts and that's just what grant is about right i wrote the book on thinking ridiculously amazing thoughts my book just ask the universe um you know and you read grant stuff it's it's all in the same line you have to be clear on what you want you have to hustle your fucking ass off for it and that's what my book is about you know, yeah, we, we feel like this this is going to be the best keynote this industry. Oh my seen. god, are you ever, yeah, ever so. try Gary V next year, or maybe even Anthony Robbins? I don't know if it's possible. Well, Anthony Robbins, Anthony, is my he's, guy. he's just he he's is ungettable. Yeah, he's ungettable. Um, but we were talking about other in, inspiring people, right? And a couple names popped into my head, and they were people that I have seen like who speak like, at GBTA actually, which um, right. you know, it's I know connected you guys, to us. yeah, uh, and so. That's Richard, Sir, Sir Richard Branson. I mean, yeah, come uh, on. just absolutely yeah. off the chart. Right. And Steve Wozniak was the most, those were the two most inspiring people I've ever seen speak. Yeah. And do you think it's possible to get them for our, our, our measly industry? I, I, we tried to get Branson. Right. And he just doesn't do engagements like this anymore. Sure. And I had a, a friend of a friend contact him who, who knew him and did work with him. Right. And so it was a direct connection. And he just wasn't interested. Right. And Wozniak, I haven't really gone after. I, I know what his price tag is and it's it's just a little out of budget. Sure. But you never know. Building a sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Building a private plane. Are you kidding me? That's cool. It's amazing. You had fun? It's great. You had fun here? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Gotta start your own podcast. C D C D podcast. C D podcast. Live. I hope we'll be guests on that. You think so? I think so. Tell you, we'll, we'll show you everything that we got, the cameras, the, the multicam I'm not software. Showing, I'm not showing him shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was amazing. You, it's, it's fun. And, you know, you, you, I remember when Michael and I first did our first episode, we were like jittery and nervous. And then like it, you just start talking. And I don't even think there's a microphone here. I don't think I'm wearing headsets. I feel like this is a conversation we'd have if we were sitting in the next room. I, I agree. You know, like this is what we do. You're gonna come play golf with us, right? I can't wait. Yeah, and like, I got my first hole in one last year. No, you in didn't. June, really? Yeah. What was anybody else there? Were you alone? Conveniently alone? No, I was not conveniently alone. I was, I was playing with Dawson Rudder. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Dawson. Dawson. Big shout out to yeah. Dawson. We he love was Dawson. our first affiliate in Boston. Yeah, back I, great guy. Back, back I got before he went huge among us. I'm gonna. I just want to say I got three hole in ones last year. Yeah, um, I was playing this windmill course with my son. And I got a hole in one on this miniature golf course. So I actually have seen, this is something that Chris didn't laugh. I, he didn't think no, that was I, I get it. I get it. But, um, it's on a par three, right? You got the hole in one. You didn't do it on a par. It was a par three. All right. Cause if you're like, yeah, no, it was on a par five. I'm like, yeah, this guy's full of shit. My, my golf buddy that I grew up with who actually taught me to play. Right. 
I witnessed him get two hole-in-ones in one round. I was there. Really? Did you capture it on... It was just happening nah, too it just fast. Happened. Yeah, we didn't, no video, but I saw it. I was happy to par a par three this year. Are you kidding me? The way I play, I'm just happy to make it out alive. Right. <laughs> so, so how, how like, did it happen? You just, you, what, was, what were you using? What, what iron were you using? Mine? Yeah, I want to hear everything. Take it me was, step it, by it, step. It, it was the one. 13th hole on the Renegade course in Desert Mountain in Scottsdale. Right. Beautiful course. And you were with Dawson. For and I was with Dawson. It's amazing. That's his home course. And it was a seven iron, and I... Gorgeous. Somehow hit it really oh stiff and a slight draw, which is not my normal yeah, trajectory. Right, and right. it just was gone right at it and oh my bounced God. and rolled right in. Well, it was incredible. We'd love to have you to our course and uh, maybe we'll get lucky. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> What's your handicap? My game. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. At, at one point I was like a 15 I'm wow. probably more like a 25 these days. Really? You'll show yeah. it. Just, You'll I just show don't play as, as often. I wanna, we just started playing for real about two years ago. And um, one of my, my, my wife's uncle, he's my uncle too, um, said, what's your handicap? And I, I thought, like he was, I'm like, I have asthma. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say to him. And um, My swing. My swing. He's like, no, what's your handicap? So then I figured out how to get a handicap. And um, I, I was, uh, last summer, I was about a 21 or a 22. So I'm not, not horrible. Very happy with fun. Awesome. With that, let's wrap this puppy up. Do you have any sh uh, shout outs like, you know, websites, you know, your handles and feeds and, you know, this shit can go viral. I have no idea, but, you know, just, uh, just I mean, plug your shit. Yeah. Just, just, uh, you know, want to plug the upcoming CDNLA show, February 23rd through 26th, Mandalay Bay. We're going to be Las there. Vegas. Yeah. I can't wait. BLS party there. Oh yeah. yeah, you're coming to that, right? I will be. I'll make we might as well just say it right here. Just everyone should come to the BLS party. Yeah. Right. No, no competitors, but just you everyone's know, everyone's invited. We would give anyway. everyone a big hug and a kiss. Hundred percent. We believe in one love. You know, it's a loving industry. It really is. This industry is, is just different than most in that it's got this like fraternal vibe to it, where yep, you know, everyone entrusts their their you know their biggest treasure, their clients with others. Hundred percent. And so it just it breeds this, you know, this, these relationships that don't exist in most industries. It's really unique. It's so funny. Even when there's like bad blood between a vendor to a vendor, you just, you just forget about it. I mean, you know, you have issues and like, you just forget it, you know, like me seeing these people, um, work with you for so long and there's an issue, you know, you could just, it, it's just water under the bridge. You know, you, no one holds grudges that, that I know of. I mean, we certainly don't, you know, it's a good place. Chris, it was great, great having Thanks you here. Thanks for coming Thank out, you. Chris. We Thanks appreciate guys. it. Thanks, guys. And Later, like, subscribe. Hold on. Like, subscribe. And share. Share. And everyone should um, subscribe to Chris's. Go to showfordriven.com. Show Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.